All right, what is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Heart to Heart Podcast. My name is Hafiz, and this is the third season and 17th episode. And today, we have a special guest, Karishma. Did I say that correctly? You did. Got it on the first try. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. How are good, you? Good, good. Glad to be here. <laughs> Please don't make this complicated. What about the time we wasted on our love? All right. So as usual, we will be starting off with the gaming aspect of these of this. For those of you who don't know uh, how the gaming works is we'll ask each other three lighthearted questions and we have to incorporate three random words into each of our answers. You ready to get started? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. So my first question for you is if you had to pick between an Android phone or an iPhone, which one would you pick and why? Your words are detector, spot, and satellite. Okay. Um, so I would say just, um, you know, if I had to pick, definitely picking Apple-based phones. So iPhones, I got converted about five years ago. And now all my products are Apple-based. Um, I find that if you lose one, it's easy to spot, um, you know, with the very lucky features like find my iPhone or find my Apple devices. Um, it's a great detector amongst other things as well. Um, there's kind of having all your devices synced together. And I don't know too much about satellite, but I feel that if you were to lose one of the items, you'd be able to track all of them together as well. Cool. Nice. Well done. Well done. <laughs> okay. So it's my turn. Um, so your words are expansion motorist and closed um if you could go anywhere for a day um where would you go and why um if i was to go anywhere uh for an entire day i'd probably go to somewhere that is closed because uh it's otherwise it'd just be kind of boring you know a place that's closed off from the public it's just like a, a special mm -hmm. place uh not somewhere a motorist would go though because uh, they do some scary things there and i'm not trying to uh, i'm not trying to be i'm not on that type of vibe but uh apart from that probably somewhere like a really really cool beach house or something like that um one that's already gone through expansion um, but i think that's something that i haven't really had the opportunity to see yet and uh at some point, I do want to see what that feels like to have an entire beach um, for yourself. I don't know what I'd do there, to be honest. Probably just be kicking a soccer ball around like I would at any beach, but that's my place. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. My next question for you is, if you had to drink between these three for the rest of your life and you had to pick one, which one would it be? Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or Sprite? And your words are... Butterfly, meat, and medium. Oh, gosh. This is hard because I don't drink pop. <laughs> I haven't in about a decade. But if I were to pick one for my entire life, I would say Sprite. It's probably um, the most, I guess, like, I think it's, like, in the medium, in the middle of a lot of these like um, pop bait, Coke based products in terms of how bad they are for you. Um, I find that when these are probably like 
old, you know, home home remedies that if you have like an upset stomach, you're supposed to drink something carbonated. Um, and I come from an Indian background. So my grandma was convinced that Sprite was some sort of home remedy and it would alleviate any pains, even butterflies that you might have in your stomach. Um, and I noticed that when a lot of people order pizza with meat on it, they will also drink some sort of Coke-based products, and I feel like I'd choose Sprite with that, too. <laughs> nice. Well okay. Um, so your words are aluminum, solo, and blame. Um, if you could pick which one would you have permanently, day or night? This might be hard. <laughs> okay. I might I might be running solo on this one, and I wouldn't blame anyone for picking anything any different, but probably say day. Like as cool as the night is, is it's it's the most productive time when there's no disruption. Is the daytime that is when the sun is out. You're kind of forced to stay awake. I mean, you could knock out technically, but like you're missing out. Um, so the, the the day is definitely what I'd pick. And if it's a really hot day as well, you could take out an aluminum, put it out there. Crack an egg or something, and just watch it cook up. You know, can't say that about nighttime. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely, I definitely take the day uh, over over the night for sure. Cool. All right, my last question for you is: If you had to commute with one of the following, you had to commute with one of the following. Which one would it be? Walking, skateboarding, or scootering? And your words are flexible cup. And garage. Okay. Um, I would say walking, because when you're walking, you don't have any other kind of machinery or devices around you. You're very flexible to go at any pace you want without obstructing, um, without, you know, obstructing any sort of traffic. Um, you don't need to worry about where you're going to place the other two, if you were to commute the other places too, when you're walking, you don't even need to have a garage or worry about it if you don't have to. Um, the only thing that might kind of suck though, if you're walking and you're not in a scooter or what was the other device? Um, a skateboard. skateboard. Um, and maybe not for the skateboard, maybe for the scooter is, you know, if you're drinking something where you're going to place your cup um, while walking, you just kind of have to hold it. But I would still pick walking as choice of commuting. <laughs> nice. Okay, and the last question. Um, words are faith, disc, and modernize. Um, if you only had um, a paper and pencil to communicate with others um, for the rest of your life, how would you perceive life that way? No texting, no electronics, just paper and pencil. <laughs> so, so like we gotta, you gotta like mail things with a bird or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like you can mail, you can like mail, like mail things out, but you just can't like use tech to talk to people anymore. Okay. All right. Well, um, it would feel like the old days. It would very much feel like the old days, older than when you had to put discs and computers to access. Um, programs and softwares um, and uh, unlike the modernized version of mailing which is email 
and now the even more modern version, which is texting, uh, writing on paper is going to be a bit of a pain because it's going to take a while to get the message across to someone else. Now, obviously, I will have faith that the message will get across eventually, but it will be a bit of a pain communicating with people. A lot of the thoughts will probably just stay within me, considering the fact that it wouldn't get there in time, uh, unless it's something really, really important. Then, obviously, I'd have to convey the message. I don't really have much of, much of a choice but to write it and send it. Um, but I definitely would be having a lot of journals. A lot of that. Which is cool. <coughs> Sorry. That, that is really cool, though. Having a lot of journals. I would know a lot about my life. Uh, maybe more than uh, I would want to, but uh, yeah, that's that. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now we will jump into the next part of the podcast. So can you tell me a little bit about your business? What is it? What do you do? Um, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so should I brief intro or just go back into the business right away? Uh, either works. Let's start with the brief introduction. Cool. Um, yeah, so I yeah. have, it's, it's funny that you ask. Um, I have both like a professional background um, in kind of business and kind of the sciences, and then also a personal just interest and passion in fitness, um, integrating everything thereof. So, professional background, graduate educations in both um, management and medical physiology. Um, grew up as a competitive athlete, um, played tennis and soccer for about a decade. And then in college, I became an accidental marathon runner. Um, picked up running as, as a hobby, became very much so integrated in my life. Um, started paying attention to the fitness space. Um, you know, loved a lot of things about kind of major players in the industry. Um, other things, not so much. Um, so two years ago, I kind of took my personal jab at the industry and launched a fitness brand called Pulse Athletic Apparel. So for the first year and a half, um, and honestly, the first two years or so, um, primarily apparel-based brand, um, you know, selling athletic and athleisure wear that is both functional and just kind of for the new work-from-home nature that everyone is kind of purchasing and kind of living in these days. Um, but we are slowly kind of transforming into being a fit tech company, integrating hydration sensing technology into our apparel. So now kind of shifting a bit more towards the endurance and elite athletes too. Um, yeah, I guess like some of the reasons I mentioned, you know, why I started personal passion was definitely there. Um, but, you know, didn't find, you know, much representation from South Asian background, let alone South Asian female background in the fitness industry. Um, I think I'm one of the, you know, I shouldn't say one of the unusual because there, there probably is a population out there. I just haven't met them yet. Um, sports and fitness were encouraged, you know, in my house kind of growing up. Um, wasn't really kind of like limited um, to only academia, was really um, kind of pushed to explore um, as many things as possible as long as I excelled at them. So that kind of pressure was still there, but um, I'd say like a good, healthy pressure. So I, I took that into just kind of like my adulthood, you know, as I was integrating fitness 
um, into my back and not to just day to day personal life, but also trying to figure out how to launch a brand, how to build a business surrounding this. Um, I found that kind of pieces of my identity um, became unintentionally woven into it too, which uh, just kept it going essentially. So um, long story short, um, what I do is I have uh, built a fitness apparel brand. It's turning into a fit tech company, um, turning into a full-time founder very soon, which is really exciting. Um, and just kind of disrupting the elite and endurance athlete space right now. That's amazing. So once you had an idea, once you knew you wanted to make it into business, you wanted to start a business, what sort of challenges did you run into uh, immediately? Oh, gosh, so many. Um, you know, and I say this now just because so I interned for startups before I, you know, had a decent amount of work experience before too. But I found very, very quickly that interning and working for a startup versus working for yourself and trying to launch a business are two different things. I made the very naive mistake one of just not promoting my business. You know, I made a website, I sourced out all these products. Um, I started building relationships with manufacturers and suppliers for apparel, but I didn't have any social media. So I was like, just sitting there scratching my head thinking like, why am I not getting any sales? And it was just a simple thing. No one knows that you exist yet. So that was like the very first kind of pitfall. This was very, very early on. Um, the second was even just figuring out where to have suppliers. Um, you know, someone you're building out a brand that is the consumer packaged good. Surrounding that, you want to make sure quality is at its you know, you, you don't want to sacrifice quality, but you also don't want to have products that are a very, very high price point for you as a business. It's just not a smart business move. So figuring out just like the balance between the two, you know, getting lots and lots of samples, testing out um, lots of apparel too, um, figuring out how to optimize like supply chain. That's like a huge issue we ran into like during the pandemic, still so much so now. Um, and just kind of navigating that. Um, and then I guess just honestly, like making things up along the way. Um, I would say I went through so many different learning curves. Um, you know, those are just like two examples of like what was kind of going on. Constantly pivoting, strategically pivoting as well. Um, figuring out which people to come in and like come represent the brand, figuring out which people to hire as well. It's just kind of been like inching more and more towards going through all these learning curves as we've been building too. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I'm pretty sure there's a lot of challenges associated with uh, starting it up. Did you have a mentor uh, while you were in the process of starting it up or were you just going solo? Solo. Um, yeah, <laughs> Com completely solo, but I, I would say I like, I definitely reached out and I think my, um, I, I would say I have a pretty good professional network, um, current day because I was very intentional about creating one two years ago. I knew that to expand, I had to kind of find pieces of information, be very scrappy and be very resourceful. Um, and the best way of Kind of doing that is through people who um, probably haven't done exactly what you've done, but they have achieved great success in their life too. Um, I definitely, you know, intermittently checked in with old program directors. I mentioned I did a graduate program 
and management and physiology. So stayed very involved in kind of the alumni centers too um, and saw what kind of resources they had in that sense. But I'd say it was a lot of just kind of pulling in pieces um, from very, very different places and trying to make sense of it and being very, very, I guess, like self-instinctual about how to direct the business too. Yeah, was there one primary, maybe not like fully primary, but like one semi-primary place where you got most of your information from? Like, was there uh, maybe like a course on, I don't know, on LinkedIn Learning or Skillshare or something like that where, um, you know, it gave you a bit of an idea of what to do things or uh, where did you get most of your information initially when starting off? Um, if I'm going to be really honest, Google. Google was like the primary place I got all my information from. Um, you know, having a gra- having those two graduate degrees, even then, it's like doing something from like a textbook, learning something from an academic um, kind of like environment is very, very different from running a business on your own. And, you know, you can go through like all my Google searches. So many of them are business related, even to this date, as I'm kind of continuing to grow and get to the next level. Um, that's kind of where I went through. Not the most conventional um, way, but I I think when you are an entrepreneur, when you are bootstrapping a business, when you're launching something by yourself for the first time, just having that like ability to be scrappy um, and be willing to find answers, regardless of how simple, you know, the solution might be. If it is, you know, just going on Google and typing in how to do X, Y, Z, that's one thing going on LinkedIn You know, if you're trying to find a specific person you want to speak to, you know, just making an introduction, speaking out and reaching to them, Googling, then going back to Google and stalking the person in a very healthy way, just to keep conversation going too. But um, long story short, honestly, just Google um, is probably where I've gotten most of my answers from. (laughs) Awesome. Another issue that I know a lot of small business owners face is finance, getting funding is necessary in order to do things. Um, did you face that issue? Uh, I'm assuming you did because most people do. Uh, if you did it, good for you. But uh, assuming you did, how did you end up uh, navigating that person? Yeah. So, so I mentioned um, Pulse. Sorry, I'm just taking my charger in. Pulse is bootstrapped. Um, so I had no outside funding coming in. Um, I used profits of the business to um, consistently like feed into the business and allow for growth that way. Um, my initial kind of investment was I'm consulting. So full-time consultant, um, basically portion of my own, um, income went into it. Um, you know, had some savings that were up too and used kind of that, but that's kind of going back to being very scrappy. Um, when you're first starting out, figuring ways to cut costs. And some of the easiest ways are basically just having one person doing everything, although not the healthiest at the beginning, Um, figuring out ways where you can, um, you know, cut costs on like kind of resources or, you know, eliminate like the middleman of certain things that you're paying for is another thing. Uh, But at this point, I'm actually, so I mentioned I'm transitioning to being a full-time founder. We are raising capital. So going through investors um, in that sense. So, we got to a point where now we're ready to kind of roll out tech and be in market and you cannot bootstrap technology anymore um, because it's very, very expensive. So um, even going through that, so many different learning curves. I started learning about the investment process 
January of last year, so January 2021. We're now in March 2022, and I'm getting ready to, you know, close out like our first round of investment. So even that, you know, taking the time to learn, taking the time to network with as many people as possible, um, hearing lots and lots of no's, um, learning how to present myself in the best way possible too. Um, it, it was definitely like a long kind of trajectory. Um, but I think if you have as much faith in your product as you do in yourself, if you have as much faith in kind of the outcome of your business, the impact that your business is going to have, um, then I think that just in and of itself just continues to propel you as well. Definitely, definitely. Now you talked a little bit about social media and how the lack of promoting on there uh, basically slowed the progress of it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So what sort of strategy are you utilizing now or plan on utilizing soon in the future to, I guess, reverse that, if you will? Yeah, well, so the problem was we just like I didn't have any social media for like the first month. So I wasn't even promoting it. And that was on the very short term. That was only for a month. Um, After we I got um, essentially made all the accounts, I started figuring out how to best portray products that would most appeal to our consumer markets too. Um, You know, we found that, you know, based on like using everything for us specifically, LinkedIn, odd enough, got us sales, TikTok got us a lot of sales and Instagram got us a lot of sales. I feel like it's different for a lot of businesses depending on what industry you're in too, but figuring out just kind of a strategy based on honestly trying out all the different platforms there are. I feel like there's going to be another one in like a month or something that something new is always just popping up too. And basically trying things out, but trying things out consistently. So you get enough data for yourself, you know, doing a certain type of posts, um, same time, same day for X amount of weeks and looking at the analytics that it gives you because what's great about all of these different social media tools is they give you analytics on how your page and how your profile is doing. So really paying attention to those and using those to consistently um, pivot and kind of strategize and how you're going to use social media adequately too. Um, I would say there isn't one formula i'd say on what kind of works i wish there was um but you know you will see like a lot of these posts or oftentimes it's like clickbait you know click this you're gonna your engagement's gonna go up you're gonna get like a thousand followers or something like that um but in my opinion and just based on like experience of having done it for a few years now both for myself and for internships in the past working with other startups um, you have to really hone in on what your specific consumer market is. You have to hone in on what your value proposition is, what you're providing for consumers, impact you want to have. And then based on really honing in on those, you're able to create um, social media strategies that surround them too. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the actual products that you sell. What do you? What is your most popular product? And or would you anticipate to be your most popular product? So either of them. Yeah. Um, so like I said, we're, we're pivoting now. Our most popular product pre-tech is probably our seamless set. Um, and honestly, like the, the tie-dye hoodie, that was a surprising one. I thought that was going to be a risk on my end in terms of just investing in that product. But people love the tie-dye hoodie. Sold out so many times, um, which is a good, good problem to have. 
And then our seamless yoga set too. Um, this has just been popular, honestly, since like the first week of having being live on social media and therefore being like live on our website too. Um, people have bought consistently. They love it. This is a product we probably get the most tags on too. People will buy it, throw it up on their story, you know, like just tagging us and wanting us to promote that or just seeing how much like they're enjoying the product too. Um, kind of coming out the tech line, which is what we're pivoting towards having all of our products in. Um, that's going to be like our four casted best-selling items too it's going to be like essentially one item per category per gender so we'll have the tech integrated in sports bras we'll have it integrated in leggings and joggers and shorts and dry fit tees for women and then for men joggers shorts dry fit tees dry fit tanks for um men as well so that's what we that's where we're kind of pivoting towards and that's where we see our kind of best sellers being inclined towards as well awesome so let's say someone is starting up their own business and they ask you for advice what would you tell them straight up it's, it's a lot of work um not gonna sugarcoat it <laughs> it's a lot uh i think at one point i was not only doing a full-time job for about seven hours a day, but then I was spending 10 hours a day on top of it, building this out. Um, then I stopped doing my full-time job and was contracting for a little bit, was working on the on Pulse for about 16 hours a day. Now we're kind of at the middle sweet spot. So some things have been kind of streamlined and automated. Now we're getting ready for like kind of the big push once we get investment. Um, and I'm still kind of doing a full-time job. You basically have to know that nothing is overnight. It's going to be a lot of work. If you see someone having an overnight success, chances are that overnight success took like five years to become an actual success too. So um, just kind of be very wary about that too, just going in. Um, nothing's impossible, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it as well. It, it's definitely difficult. But I will say, kind of going off of that, you learn so much about yourself when you're going through the process of starting a business. Um, you become responsible for so many different elements that are very different than responsibilities that you have outside of work and outside of your professional life too, which I think causes for calls for like a lot of growth um, as well. You become the person that um, is reliable in some cases or in the future for other employees, um, other people kind of rely on you for income, for kind of livelihood too. So you hold lots of responsibility in that end too. So I think just learn, you just, you learn so much about yourself um, throughout the process um, in multiple aspects too. Um, and I, you know, as, as hard as it's been, as long as the journey's kind of been, I know of so many kind of incredible people who I follow, so many entrepreneurs who had journeys much longer, who I admire, um, and even myself too. I, I think that what I'm doing now, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't want any other dream career because this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, awesome. All right, I got two more questions for you. The first one is teach me something in life that I do not know. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> this one's hard. Teach you something that you don't know. This is hard because I don't know what you know and what you don't know. <laughs> um, I 
Okay, let me. Okay, go. You gotta go. Okay, we go ahead. What were you saying? Do you want me to do? You want to, do you want to like restate that, or you, you gotta... yeah? Do you mean just like? Yeah, I guess like restating it. Fine. Okay, teach me your most important life ah, lesson. Okay, my most important life lesson. Um, there's so many. I feel like I've learned recently. Um, prioritize. Ooh, I don't know. This might be taboo. Prioritize people who prioritize you. I'm going to say that. I, I mean that in a, a few different ways. I think just personally thinking about just how my life changed, you know, being an entrepreneur, how the pandemic changed a lot of things, too. I think because of the pandemic, um, it's very. You figured out what you want to prioritize in life. I feel like everyone kind of went through this like deep period of self-reflection because you had to, you're quarantined, you couldn't really go anywhere. Um, you were at home um, and you could prioritize who you wanted to kind of keep in touch with and communicate with, um, who you emphasized, what, who you empathized with um, more so than I guess like others. Um, and I believe that, I, I guess like for me, I'm, saying this from a very, very family context. Um, this is the pandemic was the first time in about 10 years that I got to spend a lot of quality time with my immediate family for about a year and a half to two years. And I just kind of like, you know, with, with family, I think it's different. You always come back and it's very easy. There's no such thing as like so much time goes away or too much distance for family. But I found that, um, but with the pandemic, just how much I missed that kind of close knit relationship with my family. Um, and had it not been for the pandemic, I wouldn't have had that like giant wake up call uh, is that, you know, these are the people that are prioritizing you. You need to be prioritizing them more, if not the same way, too. So I think I am saying that. So maybe the way I said it initially was a little strange, prioritize people that prioritize you. Um, maybe the biggest lesson is probably just, you know, be very grateful for family if you have one. Not so many people experience loss. I also experienced loss during the pandemic. Um, so just really kind of cherish like moments that you have with family. Yeah, no, that was another thing that I learned um, over the pandemic as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, it, uh, it's, I don't know, it's life, you know. It's a, no, it, 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 the pandemic hit at the least expected time. It was, uh, it is what it is. We'll keep that. We'll keep it at that. Anyways, my last question for you: What advice do you have for someone in their twenties? Oh my gosh, you're in your twenties. Try as many things as possible. Like. Oh, 1000%. Like, try as many things as possible. Fail early, fail often. I think people have this, like, um, there's so much, like, stigma surrounding failure. And I think especially, this is interesting, especially if you come from um, kind of, like, an Asian or, like, South Asian background even. Um, failure is, like, taboo. People tend to hide away from it. But I think if in your 20s that it's the absolutely best time to fail, and learn from it quickly. 
um, why in your 20s you don't have any real responsibilities yet. You don't have, most people don't have a family. Most people don't have kids um, if you're in this age. Um, so just really kind of take every opportunity that comes to you. Um, try everything within moderation. Like don't be like a chicken running around with like his or her head cut off. But um, I'd say try everything try as many things as possible, seize every opportunity, fail early, fail often, and then learn from it too. Um, there's no such thing as dwelling. Um, you know, just kind of pick yourself back up, brush yourself back off and continue on. Um, and remember, you're only in your 20s. I think um, that when you are in your, and I'm still in my 20s, um, but when you are kind of like in your early 20s, you're still kind of thinking about I guess like how society frames your 20s, you're supposed to have everything figured out right after college, you're supposed to have like your dream job, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have kids, you know, and that's kind of what you do. But if you think about where the origins kind of came from, that's when our life expectancy was lower. Not saying that that isn't a bad thing to do. I think if that's what the path you want to take, and you know exactly what you're going to do in your early 20s, go for it, like tunnel vision, like go headstrong. But if you don't know, and you're kind of in that unsure phase or, or kind of path in your life, embrace as many opportunities that come your way. They're there, they're coming at you for a reason for you to take them. That's awesome. All right. Um, any last things that you want to add before we wrap this up? No, that's all. <laughs> all right. All right. Awesome, then. Thank you so much for hopping on. It was really nice talking to you. All the best to the business. Hopefully it does grow really, really big. And uh, yeah, aside from that, that'll be it from us today. Thank you all. Take care. Have a Thanks good so week. much. <laughs>